0: Hey guys, it's Haley and this is Firestarters episode number two and today we're talking about how to speak the truth when you are the only one who believes the truth. How to hold a minority opinion or view or belief in a crowded room full of people that ardently disagree with you. Okay, because that's where a lot of us find ourselves these days, more frequently than we used to, more frequently than we did last year. I mean, it's just undeniable that we are, as Christians, um, and with as those who hold to absolute truth in the day and age that we live in, wherever you are in the world, you are coming up against a lot more relativism, a lot more moral relativism, a lot more uh, a variety of worldviews and beliefs and while, um, you know, your beliefs may not have changed, it might feel like everyone around you is just sort of uh, coming out of the closet, in a sense, with what they believe. And all of a sudden you realize just what uh, what a minority you feel that you are in your friend group or in your work or um, perhaps even in your church, to be honest. Um, and so, yeah, so that's why I'm talking about this today, because uh, very many of us, especially those of us who would hold to traditional um, biblical values and um, you know, a biblical ethic of, for instance, like sexuality and gender, we find ourselves in the minority in so many contexts. And so, um, I want to talk about how you can, how you can stand alone in speaking the truth and having that minority belief, um, with with both uh, boldness and grace and um, love, as the Bible commands us to. So, getting into that topic, first off, I think we need to start all the way back in the Garden of Eden, um, and we need to start with Genesis three because uh, this is where absolute truth is known by mankind, and where there is total unity between God and man in terms of what what is true about God and what we know to be true about God. And uh, and so, before the fall, before Eve eats the fruit and offers it to Adam there is no disagreement with God. There is no minority opinion or there is no fear in speaking the truth or knowing the truth because there just is truth and there is no sin. And so there is no deception. Um, there is no division. And and so I just want to, you know, kind of start there because I think we need to remember that that is how it is supposed to be. And where we see a departure from that in the world is evidence of sin and evidence of darkness and evidence of that lie from the serpent back in the garden that is seeped in and has affected this world and permeated our reality and even permeated the minds of men. So let me read from that. So right in verse 2 of Genesis 3, the serpent says to Eve, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree In the garden. And the woman says to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. So they had been given truth. They had been given absolute truth from the mouth, the very mouth of God. He had told them what was true. And so they all knew, Adam and Eve, and God, there was absolute unity in understanding of what was true. There was no disagreement. But the minute that the certain serpent introduces this idea of doubting God and questioning God and saying, did he really say, um, you know, you will not surely die. God knows that when you eat of it, you'll, your eyes will be open. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So what the serpent did in that moment is he offered Eve another interpretation of reality and what she saw, otherwise known as a lie, <laughs> not the truth, but a lie. and And it was one that offered her... Um, the freedom to indulge her curiosity to have her cake and eat it too in a sense um, and with no repercussion with no judgment with no um, true cost to her because he said you will not you won't really die you'll just know good and evil which in a way he was right she didn't die instantly but death entered the world through sin and so Um, of course they did die eventually and all mankind is now plagued, um, and living under this curse of sin. So why am I talking about this? Why am I bringing this up? Because sin entered in with one lie, one lie being told, one question being asked that was aimed at introducing a whole nother way of thinking, And that introduced it well, craftily, effectively. He introduced a whole other perspective shift for Eve that caused her to go, oh, yeah, that sounds good, feels good because I get to do what I want, which is eat the apple that looks good to the eye. Um, Why shouldn't it be good for me? Um, And in in fact, if you are familiar with Glennon Doyle, I mean, this is, you know, a little bit of a bunny trail, but she actually says in her book, that, um, you know, we need to embrace our wants and our curiosity and uh, and eat the apple. She says, you know, what if Eve was not um, an example for us of what not to do, but really a model, eat the apple, own your wanting. So why this matters is that if we don't speak the truth in the face of the lie, somebody is going to get hurt. Somebody is going to die. Somebody is going to pay the ultimate price of um, that deception. And it may not be us, but it may be someone else. It may be a friend. It may be a family member. Um, And it is not on us to change someone's heart. It is not on us to be the Holy Spirit, but it is on us to obey God and, um, and both obey what he has commanded and refute lies that say that we don't have to. Refute things or people or ideas or books or authors or podcasts who claim that we do not need to, you know, view God as the ultimate and final authority or that we do not need to really trust this old archaic book that has just been used as a tool of oppression uh, to hold women and minorities down. Um, or we do not need to, uh, you know, model the family or marriage after a biblical model because really it was writ- written by men and they just didn't have, uh, you know, the same kind of cultural uh, realities that we live in today. And so that's why they didn't talk about, you know, for instance, homosexual um, relationships and that if they're monogamous, they're fine. And just, you know, all of the things that we're hearing people introduce um, extra biblical you know, worldly secular lies and, and even argue sometimes using scripture for why those things should, uh, should be allowed or should be brought into the church or should be utilized by the church or used as a tool, um, by Christians. And so that, that's why I want to talk about Genesis three in the beginning, because, um, because if we are afraid of speaking the truth, if we, uh, shy away from standing up for what what is true, we're really no better than Eve. And I'm going to talk about the context in, in how we do that because, uh, you know, it's not just like you go around with a megaphone like screaming declarative statements at everyone all the time. That's certainly not what I believe. That's not what I do. But if we refuse to stand up to the lie that is proffered by the world and proffered by the devil himself, we are just being Eve. And I know so many of us have probably read that story and gone, oh my gosh, Eve, like he just told you not to do that. Are you serious? But if we aren't standing up and if we aren't uh, deciding to draw a line in the sand anywhere, if we draw no lines and we just say, oh, you know, and kind of like, I'm just going to let you do you and I'll do me. And I'm just going to hope that we can avoid all conflict at all costs. Then you're just being Eve. I mean, you're really not, uh, you're really not standing for truth. You're really not um, going to point anyone to the light. You're not going to look any different than the world. You're not going to be salt and light in the world. And it's so critical, especially in the the dark and evil present age that we live in, that we who have the truth, who know the truth, who believe the truth and follow the way truth in the life, share that with other people and share that with a world that is on its way to eternity and an eternity without God. And that is really, truly, that has to be our motivation. That has to be the reason that we care not to be right, not to argue, not to win an argument, not to um, show people up or just kind of look awesome, you know, which rarely is really the case. But um, it has to be because we care about people's souls. And we know where they're headed if they don't Believe if they don't um, truly submit to the authority of God and are not changed through the power power of the Holy Spirit and um, and transformed and are not given a heart of flesh and just remain with that heart of stone. So that needs to be our motivation for speaking the truth. Um, Again, I'm going to get into the context of that in a few minutes. So just wanted to set the stage there. So I have a few ideas for you guys as far as how to think through any given situation where you are faced with the decision to either stand up and speak truth, or to to be quiet, or you know, remain in the background, or whatever, just be silent. So the first one is glory. First, you have to ask whose glory are you concerned with, um, because we can either speak or be silent out of a wrong heart posture and out of a wrong motivation. So it's not so much that always speaking is always virtuous. No, speaking could be, could be wrong. It could be sinful if you're doing it from a wrong heart posture. If your heart is not, um, you know, doing it from a place of humility and desire to glorify God, but rather a place, uh, a place like, you know, being prideful, if you are doing it out of a heart that is prideful and wanting to elevate yourself or, you know, just assert your um, authority over another human being, well, that's not going to glorify God. And so glory has to be the first question that we ask. Okay, who am I glorifying in this? Um, Is God's glory actually the desire of my heart? Is my desire to glorify God and enjoy him forever, which is our chief end as human beings? And so ask yourself, are you compelled to either protect your glory or bring yourself glory or to protect God's glory and bring him glory? Who are you acting in service of? yourself or God. So glory is the first thing. The second one is identity. Um, and I have a little acronym for you. It's gig. It's not cute. It's just G I G glory, identity, and then goal. So the second one being identity, the question there is who are you empowering to tell you who you are? Because if you've made it past the second question the first question of glory okay yeah i do care about glo- god's glory in this that is that is my motivator because i hear someone saying something that isn't true i hear someone declaring something that um is you know antithetical to what the bible says that is you know maybe even heretical if they are twisting the scriptures words and twisting god's words to make him say something he didn't and i know that then i'm concerned with his glory here and i want to bring him glory by speaking then the next question is going to be identity because suddenly you're, you know, you're enraged over, you know, maybe a righteous, you have a righteous anger over the glory of God um and and wanting to fight for that. But then, oh, shoot, but I don't really want to speak because I know what this person is going to say about me or I know that they're going to think I'm stupid or I know they're. Going to belittle me, or I know that they could even beat me in an argument, and I'm probably not going to have the words to say. So then, the second question is identity: Who are you empowering to tell you who you are? And this is a choice that each of us has to make. This is a choice that we make all the time. We make the decision to empower others to tell us who we are. When we decide to speak or not speak, we make a judgment. We make a um, a split second evaluation of how the audience would would name us who they would believe us to be who they would tell us we are in response to what we are thinking of saying and we decide whether or not we um want that to be our identity and and whether or not we are cool with that or we like that or we are going to feel good with what that person says that we are so there's so many scriptures Um, about identity. And I could read every single one for you. I'm not going to because this would be like an hour and a half long episode. But I will give you a few references to check out. Um, And so you can write these down or, you know, rewind the episode if you want to write those down and just be reminded of who God says you are. Um, Genesis 127, 1 Peter 2.9, Galatians 2.20, Ephesians 2.10, Philippians three twenty, John one twelve, John fifteen sixteen, Colossians three one through four, and Romans eight thirty seven. Now there's literally hundreds more, but I'm just trying to keep this episode as short as possible, so I'm not going to read them all. But I want to read you a couple of them. Um, Ephesians two ten says, that, "For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do." So we are God's creation. He made us. We were made in Christ for good works and God has prepared good works for us in advance to do. What if one of those good works is to speak the truth boldly in love in this very situation that you are evaluating? Is this the time? You were made for good works. Don't be surprised if you're faced with the, the opportunity to do something good by glorifying God, glorifying your father in heaven, by speaking truth about him, by defending, um, the, the scripture by saying, actually, I don't think that's what the Bible means at all. Or, um, actually, I don't think that that glorifies God because he's told us in his word, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever, fill in the blank, whatever the context is. Um, we are created for good works and he's prepared us, um, prepared those works for us in advance. And he is going to equip you to do what he's prepared for you to do. Okay, so, um, so that's Ephesians 2.10. Um, another one I want to point out is Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are first citizens of heaven, not of this earth. So our first, um, you know, place that our identity comes from is not as, uh, you know, not our nationality, not as an American or a Canadian or a Ugandan or anything else, but as citizens of the eternal kingdom of God's kingdom, um, and of Jesus Christ. So, um, let's see one other one I wanted to read was, oh, Romans eight thirty seven. No, in all these things, we are more than conquer- conquerors through him who loved us. So, um, yeah, I feel like those are, those are a few really awesome verses to just be reminded of who you are in Christ and your identity in him when you are faced with the The fear, the reality of that there is real fear of man when we have to speak the truth and stand alone and be the only one who's doing it. And um, these are good to just be reminded of. So uh, rewind and write those down or even just do a quick Google search on Bible verses on identity and I will link um, the page where I got all those references from in the show notes in case you just want to go click through there and view them there. Okay, so the third one is goal. So we've, we've done glory, identity, and now goal. What is your goal? What's your goal in speaking out? Because I don't think that our goal is, is often going to be to change minds. I don't even think that that's necessarily a right goal to have. Um, I think our goal is to be faithful to Christ with the opportunities that he gives us for those works that he is created in advance for us to do, to be faithful to him with the, with the opportunities he gives us, to glorify him, to bring him glory, to submit to him, to, to submit ourselves to the authority and to speak the truth that, um, of who he is and who he has created us to be and and why we exist and what the world exists to do, which is to bring him glory. So if our goal isn't necessarily to change minds, um, it's something else it is to bring glory to god this comes back to glory glory could probably be like the one thing about this entire topic that we are concerned with um i could i could narrow it down to just glory if you said you know pick one that's the one with both christians and non-christians the goal is to bring god glory with non-christians you do that by speaking the truth in love um, and with tactics, uh, to, it's more of a tactical approach. You're probably not going to change someone's mind, but your goal is to possibly introduce doubt in their mind about their beliefs uh, being true. And this is uh, actually possible to do by just asking questions. So sometimes speaking in that context with, Those who you know do not agree with you, those who you know would not submit to the authority of scripture, it's not going to be effective to just like start shouting and barking Bible verses at them. You need to find out where their worldview, where their system of beliefs has inconsistencies because it does. If it's not the right one, if it's not biblical, if it's not based in God's truth, then it has to have inconsistencies because God's truth is the only one that is really true. So your goal is to find out where are those inconsistencies? Where does it contradict itself? Because it does somewhere. And so um, I want to recommend for you to read the book Tactics by Greg Kugel. Uh, he is with the ministry Stand to Reason. And the whole topic of how you go about doing that is it's going to need to be its own episode. And that episode is actually coming out this fall with the Christianity and Culture series. And I'm, I'm talking with Greg all about this exact topic. So I'm not going to get into that but um but yeah with non-christians you're not necessarily going to just be you know just stating your opinion and differing from them but rather if if the goal is to speak the truth in love i think the loving thing and greg would say the loving thing to do is to um you know put a rock in their shoe that's how he describes it you're you are just seeking to make them uncomfortable with the fact that their beliefs don't add up their 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 4 you know because they're not actually using two or two to add up to four. And so there's always going to be a way that you can find um, and you can use questions to point them to that reality. And so, um, so that's the first. And then with Christians, um, the goal is also to speak the truth in love and to glorify God. But we, we also have to be concerned with maintaining unity. However, This is not a call to maintain unity at the expense of denying what is true. Because if the Bible tells us to speak the truth and to maintain unity, it's commanding us to do both. And so we have to be able to do both. There must be a way to do both. It's not maintain unity at the expense of truth or speak the truth at the expense of unity. It's both. And so that is a tension that we have to walk in. Um, But Ephesians four, well, all of Ephesians, but especially um, Ephesians four is an amazing book to read to understand kind of the full context of how um, we are called to do this. Now, even if you do this and you do have a right posture and a right heart desire to maintain unity in the body, it doesn't mean that we are guaranteed that unity will be maintained with within every single relationship or. Person that you're speaking the truth with or to, because relationships are not one way, they're a two way street, and that other person has the choice to either agree to seek to maintain unity or not. And there are many Christians today who are opting to just unfollow, unfriend, and you know, and basically remove or cancel. Christians in their lives who don't agree with them anymore. And so that's unfortunate, but we're seeing that happen all over the place. And it has happened to me. So I know that it's painful and I know that it really, really stinks when someone that you care about and even thought was maybe a friend or um, even a close family member shows disdain or hatred for your beliefs just because they are different than theirs or because um you are disagreeing with them on a topic but that's happening all over the place it's it's always happened to christians this is not unique to our day and age although we see so much of it because of our phones because of social media and our access to everybody's lives it's really easy to feel like oh my gosh it's it's worse than ever but this has actually been happening all over the world forever to christians and so in some ways i think that's actually comforting to realize you know what i'm I'm not that special. I'm not so special in the sense that uh, this is is some brand new phenomenon. I am entering a great host of witnesses who have gone before me, who have been persecuted for their faith, who have been burned at the stake, who have been crucified on a cross. And one of them is Jesus. So in, in one light, we need to realize where we may be believing that we deserve a better treatment from the world. Um, than our master. In John fifteen twenty, Jesus tells his disciples, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And so he is is telling them to expect suffering, to expect persecution because of their beliefs, because of their religion, because of the fact that they put their hope in Christ, because they say there is one God, because they claim that Jehovah is the only God and that Christ is the Messiah. He was murdered for that. And so in some ways we need to uh, dethrone ourselves and recognize the fact that we are not going to receive a better treatment in this life than Christ himself received from the world. We will be hated. We will be persecuted. We will be disliked. We will be unfriended. We will be canceled. We will be told, unfriend me if you don't agree with this, fill in the blank. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. We shouldn't be surprised that darkness hates light. Now, I do want to just give the caveat that we are not supposed to go around trying to create discord or division. That That is not the heart of the believer. That is not the heart of the gospel or the Great Commission. That's not what Jesus told us to do. We are not here to try to sow seeds of discord. But the truth is that Christ came to this earth and he told us in Matthew 10, that he did not come to bring peace to the earth. He was speaking to his disciples. 34, verse 34 says, do not assume that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword for I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself, the truth does cause division. We are to try to remain unified as the body of Christ, but the truth does cause division, especially among those... That are not believers or not true believers, those who are in the church and may be operating as sheep among or wolves around, among sheep and may be um, leading the true church astray with lies or deceit or misinterpretation of scripture or misapplication of scripture or twisting of God's words and distortion of truth. And so, um, don't be surprised when the truth causes division. None of us are, I don't think anymore. I think. I think that the, the wool has come off your eyes. If you thought that, you know, sharing the truth would somehow unify people. I've thought that many times myself, even in sharing things on social media, I've been surprised at the reaction when I have shared things that I thought were categorically, you know, kind of understood to be true. Um, that's just not the case. We live in a dark world. We live in a place where people's uh, minds and hearts are blinded by sin and darkened by sin. And um, the truth causes division because darkness hates light. But the Bible says in John 1, 5, that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. So you have that as your comfort, that when you are speaking the truth alone in the room as the, the, the minority, as the only one. Darkness does not overcome light ever. It doesn't win. it has already been defeated, but that defeat has not been brought into the fullness of the victory that is coming. So the other thing I want to mention here is that we've really got to stop confusing someone's reaction to our words with the truthfulness of our words. We have got to stop presuming, and this goes along with what I've been saying, that stop presuming that if we are saying something that's true, that the reaction will be good. And that then when it's bad, that that somehow indicates that we have messed up. Now it's possible if you're speaking in an unloving or an unkind or a hateful tone, that that is the reason that someone is, is taking offense. So you do need to look out for that. And you do need to be aware of that. And you need to seek to speak with grace and with speech that is seasoned with salt, as scripture says, not in such a way as to um, enrage people and not to be intentionally inflammatory. But just because someone is inflamed into anger or rage against you doesn't mean that you've necessarily done that. Jesus said only things that were true and he was killed. So if you have believed the the lie that you can both be a Christian Glorify God with your life and with your mouth and with your speech and with your witness and be liked and remain in close friendship with anyone and everyone that you come into contact with, not offending anyone, not causing any division or breaking off any friendships whatsoever or causing anyone to unfriend you or block you or (laughs) respond unkindly to you on social media or in person, then you need to let that go because that's not the world we live in. That is just not reality. It's simply not reality. So all you can do at the end of the day is speak the way that Christ has told you to speak, to be faithful with the opportunities you are given and to remember that Christ is the one who saves. You do not save. You do not convert. You are not the Holy spirit, but God can and will use you if you are obedient and it doesn't have to be your incredibly well-timed and well thought out and perfectly said words that are used by the power of God. I know that it is scary to consider looking like a fool, but the world already sees you as a fool if you are a Christ follower. So what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose if someone thinks that you're foolish? What do you have to lose if someone thinks less of you? If they're thinking less of you because of Christ, then I'd say that is worth it. That's a cost I'm willing to pay. I'm willing to be disliked and called names for the sake of Christ, for the sake of defending the truth, standing up for it, drawing lines in the sand, with as much grace and love as I can, hoping that God uses those words to draw his own people unto himself, if that's who I'm speaking to, and it's potentially someone that he's going to use my words to um, open blind eyes with. And he's going he's gonna to use that moment, possibly. But also very possibly, it's just an opportunity for me to be obedient and to remember that I'm not God and to allow my lack and my insufficiency in the places where I feel weak to allow him to step in and do what only he can do and what only he has always ever done. So guys, I know this is a really hard topic. I know that I could probably talk for hours and still not cover all of your questions, but I hope that that outline of glory, identity, and goal is helpful for you in assessing those little um, one-off situations or just the circumstances that you come up against or find yourself in where you know that you are faced with that decision. And I hope that that helps you um, kind of think through both your motives, your heart, who you are, what you know to be true, and then what you're doing in that circumstance and what the goal is. As a reminder, for the rest of the month of August, um, all of the Firestarters episodes will be available to everyone in any podcast app that you use, where my normal episodes are available, but starting September 1st, they will be available exclusively to our new Patreon community, and you can join that community for $10 a month, and then you will get access to all of the forthcoming Firestarters episodes. You can learn more about that at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. If you want to hear more, you can listen to part two of this episode, which is where I'm an- answering the questions that I got in my Instagram DMs from you guys on this topic. If you're not following me on Instagram, my Instagram is kindled And uh, yeah, I engage a lot over there with my audience and I love chatting with you guys in DMs on Instagram. So, Uh, Go check out part two. Thanks, guys.